You're listening to a sermon originally recorded by Schweitzer United Methodist Church in Springfield, Missouri. Thanks so much for listening. Now, on to the message. Good morning. I'm Ken- Captain. <laughs> I'm Pastor. <laughs> I was a captain once, but anyhow. Uh, I'm Pastor Jim. <laughs> oh, yeah, all right. Thank you, Ryan. Uh, Anyhow, it's really good to be with you. I'm Pastor Jim. It's a joy to be here today. And how about, uh, how about the praise band today, uh, Moses, Aiden, and Evan? Thank you. God bless you uh, for using your gifts. Uh, we really, uh, really appreciate that. Well, today uh, is a unique Sunday. Uh, I appreciate Jason's prayer so much where it took us on a look back, but also we look forward. And so for me, when I look back over 2019, Uh, It was a memorable year in a lot of ways, and one of the ways for me that it was memorable was that uh, I was given the gift of a sabbatical from this church, and what a gift. And so for three months, June, July, and and August, uh, I was away refreshing and restoring, if you will. And so I got to uh, do all kinds of stuff that I hadn't had a chance to do in, I guess, all my adult working life. And spent a lot of time with family, uh, traveling, but also spent time at retreat centers and uh, monasteries. Uh, connected with old army buddies that I hadn't seen since we were, uh, oh, I don't know, in our early 20s. And I'm not in my early 20s anymore. And so uh, it was just a really cool time. And so I'm very grateful to God and to this, this congregation. Um, also, some really memorable things happened. For example, the, uh, well, in fact, it was a miracle. The St. Louis Blues won the Stanley Cup. Yeah? <laughs> thank you. Okay, a few, few Blues fans, thank you. Cardinals made the playoffs for the first time in four years, but who's counting? There you go. Yeah. So, uh, not so enthusiastic. Okay. Uh, but it's really, uh, really a memorable year. But when I look forward then to 2020, I know that God has, God has plans for us. Right? And I, I wonder, how many of you are planners out there? Oh, yeah, hands are going up. Yeah, I see. You can raise them high if you want. You don't have to plan. I live with a planner, and thanks be to God for planners. I don't know what you like to plan, but I know people like to plan parties and all kinds of know when Bunko is, uh, stuff like that. I Forgive me on that one. I see somebody. Uh, but uh, but I, I live with a planner, and I appreciate that. I have trouble with my Google Calendar and all that stuff, but... It's a good thing if you're a planner. But God has plans for us, and I believe that. I believe it uh, to my core. I believe that God has good plans for us and sees us through everything in life. And so today we're going to talk about uh, God's plan, the bigger picture, and then specifically what the plan is for us. And so what we're going to do, we're going to jump right into uh, the book of James, the scripture, the primary scripture for today. And to understand James is, is to understand this book is one of the first uh, books written in the New Testament. It's a, uh, it's a time when the early Christians are still really trying to hold on to their identity. And so James is really encouraging them in patient perseverance and active obedience because they have, like us, they're just like us, and this letter is to us as well. They're facing uh, many temptations, lots of distractions, and challenges in their culture. And so James sends this letter, uh, scholars think, and James, 
some scholars think that James is the brother of Jesus, and they think this, this was written about 15 to 20 years after Jesus' resurrection. And so again, it's a, uh, it's a letter that I find very challenging, but also I find great hope in it. Because if we can be the people that this scripture calls us to be, we will be a distinctive people. For the good of God, we will be distinctive. I, uh, I also will tell you, um, just confess it, it is, it is who I am, that this scripture has always meant a lot to me because I didn't really come to faith until my mid-30s or a little later. And so I grew up with a cynical, began with a cynical worldview, and then it went to skeptical. And skeptical is not a bad thing because then it's just more, lot, had lots of questions. And then finally, uh, God did a good work in me and uh, uh, came to faith. And thanks be to God. But I always looked at this scripture, and this, this seemed kind of obvious to me uh, from a guy who stood outside the faith, and I looked at the people in the faith with, a, again, cynical or skeptical eye and say, when I saw books like this written, I'm like, yep, this is good, and this is true, and this is right. And so I invite us to hear these words uh, from James. So James starts out, understand this. My dear brothers and sisters. So it's written from a disposition of a loving heart. Dear brothers and sisters. Really intimate. You must, must all be quick to listen. And by that, James means that we must be attentive to what God is saying to us. We believe that God speaks. We believe that uh, God speaks through promptings, through other people, uh, through whispers. And so we've got to be quick to listen. Slow to speak. Because if we're speaking, we're not able to listen, and slow to get angry. Human anger does not produce the righteousness, in other words, the right life that God is seeking for us, the right life God desires. So get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives and humbly accept the word. So go back to humbly. We're people of humility. We surrender to God's will, and we don't think... Well, we're not arrogant. How's that? We're not arrogant people. We're humble people. And we accept the word God has planted in our hearts, for it has the power, that God's word has the power to save our souls. But don't just listen to God's word. So when I read that, I'm thinking James is, he's, he has to throw that just in there because there's people apparently just listening to God's word. Again, he says, you must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. For if you listen to the word and don't obey, it is like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, walk away, and forget what you look like. But if you, if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says, and don't forget what you heard, seems James is fond people forgetting, then God will bless you for it. And that's a promise. Then God will, then God will bless you for doing it. If you claim to be religious, but don't control your tongue, you are fooling yourselves. And your religion is worthless. Pretty straightforward. Pure and genuine religion in the sight of God the Father means caring for orphans and widows in their distress and refusing to let the world corrupt you. Well, there's a lot in that scripture, a lot, from how we, uh, 
how we use our tongue in terms of how we speak, a lot about anger, a lot about being introspective and looking into our own lives. And so today, though, we're going to primarily just look at that last verse and go deeply into that about what it is to have pure, pure religion, religion that is a reflection of God's character, of God's heart, which is a heart for people. It's a heart for people that are uh, like orphans and widows, who are vulnerable, perhaps powerless, lonely, poor, but this is the heart of God. And it's by doing, it's by ministering, it's by looking after others that we reflect the goodness of God and that we live. Because it, it is important to believe and repent, so in other words, turn to God and believe, crucial. It's crucial. But more than that, we have to be people who do the faith and live the faith. And so as we, as we explore this today, I want to step back just for a second as we, before we go deeper into James and look at the bigger story of God with us, the story of God. And so we know we just celebrated Christmas, and we know that, that God has come to be with us through Jesus Christ, the baby. We know Jesus grows, lives in a loving family, and at about 12, he's at the temple in Jerusalem, and his parents leave, and they think he's with, with other people, but he stays there, and people are amazed about this 12-year-old, how much he knows, but also his, answer, or his questions and how he listens and his teaching, and then at about 30, we know Jesus is baptized by John. Holy Spirit descends on him, and then he's on mission, right? He goes into the desert to prepare, then he's on mission. But he's not alone. He's on mission with people. Right away, he goes on a recruiting uh, uh, venture and gets his disciples around him, recruits, invites other people into ministry, 12, and he teaches them how to care and love for people. And then Jesus' ministry is too radical. It's too radical. He loves sinners. He loves his enemies. He heals a Roman centurion's servant. The very people that the Jews would say are their enemies. Jesus not only engages, but he heals. He is so radical that the authorities kill him. We know that, but that's not the end of the story, that he is resurrected. And so it's mission on. But once again, it's with people. And so here's when we come to the, go- or the gospel, the book of James today. You see, it's really all about empowerment. God empowers Jesus. Jesus sends the Holy Spirit. They commune with each other. They give us the gift of ministry. In the early part of the church, in the very earliest part, they, the church is really growing at the time of James. And in Acts, in the book of Acts, we find that one of the first crises in the church is a food crisis. And so in this food crisis, the apostles are overwhelmed and they have their duties, if you will, to preach, teach, and heal. And so very quickly, they call the people together and they discern, they deem it wise to give their ministry away because ministry is all about empowerment. That's who God is. God empowers. And so they, they select seven other people to do the ministry between the, the widows, the food crisis involved widows of Greek heritage and Jewish heritage, both. And so they needed to settle this, and so they empowered the people around them. And so James is all about empowerment. God is all about empowerment. That's the plan. That's God's plan. And so what what then is really the essence 
of pure and genuine religion. Essence meaning what's the, what really characterizes God. I think God tells us in that last verse, which is caring for orphans and widows in their distress and refusing to let the world corrupt us. In other words, we stay in love with God and then we do ministry with people. Again, we can study scripture and that's good and we can memorize it and that's great. But unless we live this mandate out, which is really what James is telling us here, unless we look after each other and care for each other, then our religion is worthless. But we have great hope because God gives us the Holy Spirit and we can live this out. So today I want to be specific about this scripture and how we live that out here at Schweitzer. Again, we really believe in empowerment here. And so we, um, we have a ministry here that, well, we care for widows in lots of ways. We have hospital visitation team. There's a team uh, that is well beyond the pastors that goes and visits everybody, but certainly widows in their distress. We have a uh, uh, a card ministry where people are sent cards, snail mail, and, and so forth, and th- they get those cards of encouragement regularly. All, many of you probably participate that, in that. But we also have this ministry that's very personal called home, home Visitors, also called Parish Visitors. For years we called it Parish, now we call it Home. This is a very personal ministry that changes people's lives, and particularly we not only visit widows or look after widows, it's widowers as well. There are men, there are fewer There are fewer men that we care for. A lady named Barb Thomas leads the ministry. There's about 30 people right now who care for a little over 30 uh, people in their homes. And their homes could be a nursing home. It could be their home home. It could be a rehab center. Wherever they're at, we go to them. The very presence of God through the people who serve is with them. Is with them. And so I... uh, I wanted to uh, share a testimonial uh, from uh, Amy Smith, who's one of our home visitors. And um, this is what Amy has to say. And when she, uh, she came into the ministry, um, I said a little reluctantly, she described it another way. But I think, um, well, she was really wise and discerning. Was this a ministry that she should be a part of? And she discerned this. And so I want to share her words of how this ministry affects her. My faith as a follower of Jesus has most definitely grown deeper as a result of being a home visitor. The Robertsons counted on me and their reaction, so that's Warren and Betty Robertson, lived at the Montclair. They were widow and widower, got married, but with their age, they can no longer make it to church. And so we go to them. So she says that the Robertsons counted on her and their reaction to her visits planted a seed in her heart to serve God's people. She received perspective in being with elderly in settings where people are nearing the end stages of life, to appreciate my youth, but also to really focus on being entirely present to the people they're with. Time flies, keep things in perspective. Life on earth is temporary. God is good, keep serving, ease minds, reach out. What a blessing to serve. I thank God for people like Amy, who go to where people are more isolated and perhaps lonely. and they are the very presence of God. And, and I believe that people like Amy are, uh, and, and some of you I look around here are also home visitors. I think you're heroes in the kingdom of God. And that's just one of the ways that we take that mandate seriously to care for widows, widowers, others that might be in that isolated stage of life. 
Also then, in caring for kids and students, um, we, have, uh, we do excellent kids ministry here at the church, but we also go to others. We have a, a partnership at Pittman where we do tutoring. And although the kids are not literally orphans, many of the children are in need of one-on-one care, in need of somebody to come along beside them, give them encouragement, motivate them, nurture them, so that they can uh, really experience life. Someone they can count on and show up. And so I ask uh, Ross, Sergeant, Ross and Rebecca just moved this summer and went to, uh, when he got transferred to Texas, he worked at 3M, his employer encouraged him. Some of you probably have employers that would encourage you to tutor. They do it on Wednesday or Thursday afternoons, it's about an hour at Pittman School. And this, and we know it's effective because Principal Laura has told us um, that it is effective. They see it, the kids are more engaged and the kids enjoy school more because somebody comes with them every week. And I believe that everything is sacred. And so when we take a kid's life and change it by giving them the hope of being a better student where their life can flourish, thanks be to God. But here's what Ross had to say. Ross said, getting involved in tutoring reinvigorated my faith and reaffirmed my belief that God can use us to make a difference. And it doesn't have to be an impact on hundreds of thousands of people. We can be a beacon of light to anybody. I put more trust in God's ability to help me help the kids I was helping and try to reach them on a personal level. I encouraged my student to study, he actually had several, and persuaded them to do better. Now meant doing a lot better in life. That translated into him believing he could do better, a kid that believes in himself. And after about a semester, I saw a huge improvement. He was more positive and engaged. The experience made life more meaningful and brings us closer to God, brings us closer to God when we help others. And so I wanted to, again, share these testimonies of people who are actively serving and caring for widows and kids, and, a, and again, in a culture that I think elevates celebrity, I thank God for these, these servants who are changing every day, every, day, every day, changing lives with great humility, because these are the stories you don't hear about, but are actively uh, going on. And I also don't believe this is an accident. I believe this is providence. I believe God had this plan long ago, and we, like Amy and Ross, had the choice to say yes to it or no to it, but they cooperated with the Holy Spirit. And so the Apostle Paul, years ago, described what's occurring then and now in the scripture when he wrote a letter to the Ephesians. So here are these words. God saved you and I by his grace when we believed. And you and I can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it, for we are God's masterpiece. He created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do good things, so we can do good things he planned for us long ago. Ross and Amy and many other people doing good things, and their faith is made alive. That's how they're blessed. If you're here today and your faith doesn't feel very alive or seems dead, I invite you into ministries like these, and I'll do that more specifically in just a moment. But again, I thank God for people like this who step in the gaps 
step in the gaps where there is need. And I will tell you just quickly that there is a, uh, there's a crisis in our culture right now. There's food crises long ago, there's food crises now, but this is a crisis of loneliness. The Surgeon General published a report that 40% of Americans are lonely. It's taking a toll on us as, as much as obesity, or smoking, or violence. And I believe the answer to that begins with us as followers of Jesus Christ, that we have to extend ourselves to others and we have to allow others to care for us. And so the other day I was at Glendale Gardens visiting somebody, one of our uh, folks here, and ran into the uh, activities director, Tim Trafford. And I just had the, uh, I was compelled to ask Tim about, because uh, I'd heard this podcast on loneliness by Ezra Klein. And I asked Tim, I was like, Tim, how, do you have people who nobody ever visit? He said, Jim, we do. We have lots of them. I said, would you allow us to care for people that are here, don't have anybody to visit? He said, we would. And he took me to, you know, I, there's a, I think it's the devil on my back when I, it's not necessarily fear, but I'm like, I'll ask him. He'll tell me no, and I'll go away disappointed, but No. I ask, and he says, sure, and I'm like, oh. And so I'm, uh, we go in there, and so I, I feel like God has opened a door for us to care. We care for our folks, the folks in our tribe here at Schweitzer, but I feel like he's opened a door for us at Glendale Gardens to care for others. And so today I ask you, there, you still have your connection card, I think? If you feel like you're being called, I ask you to pray about it. If you already know that, if you would like to be a home visitor, that's what we call it to go and visit with people and give your life away and you'll be blessed. Just write it on your connection card, home visitor, and we'll get with you. I'll have the ministry leader uh, get with you. Also, if you'd like to be a tutor like Ross, um, write it on your connection card and we'll get you con uh, connected with the other tutors and get you equipped in both these ministries. But these are personal ministries that extend the grace of Jesus Christ. And so I would ask us to take a... To take a uh, a real good look into our lives and see how we can be blessed and bless others. And so as we close here today, I want to share a, uh, a video of a very special person. And this is one of my highlights of 2019. In 2019, I had a lot of really amazing experiences, but this was at a celebration of life that I was privileged to lead. And the, the lady's name is Thelma Lane, and she was 97 years old. And she had a home visitor. And I think one of the reasons that Thelma thrived and flourished, she inspired me to the last day of her life. She was a Cardinals fan. She knew about NBA basketball. She was, she was an amazing lady. We could talk sports. But more than that, I saw her faith lived out for 97 years. And so she recorded this video a few years ago before she passed. So she's well into her 90s. But this is what, when we extend ourselves for, to others, and she lived at the Montclair. This is what they tell us it does for their lives. Let's watch. The parish visitor has visited me between seven and eight years. Uh, I can't remember just what month it started, but uh, a long time and I really appreciate it. She brings me the upper room and so every morning when I do my devotion, it makes me think of Schweitzer. Uh, 53 years here, I, 
uh, I just, it's hard to remember when I first started. And I enjoy the visits. I look forward to it because they, uh, as I said, it, it keeps me connected with Schweitzer. I thank God every morning for the parish visitor and for the church and uh, of course most of all him but uh, uh, it it means a lot to me for me it, it is a personal experience you've just listened to a sermon originally recorded by Schweitzer United Methodist Church in Springfield Missouri check us out online at sumc.co and if this sermon blessed you be sure to share it with someone else thank you so much for listening